Hello, everybody. I'm Paul Grew. Welcome to the Weber State Wildcats podcast with Jerry Bovey. Jerry, the athletic director at Weber State University. And Jerry, as we talk here in mid-May, we're back for another podcast. Looking forward to starting to do some more. And what a terrific year it has been at Weber State. It's been a great year, Paul. Uh, we've had a fun time this year, won some championships, and we've had some teams that uh, haven't been in the postseason in the postseason this year. Tennis, I uh, just got back with them at UCLA. They had a great run uh, in men's tennis, first time ever in, in the NCAA tournament. And uh, I'll be going with softball tomorrow to Washington to uh, see how we can do in the NCAA tournament there. Well, terrific year, and compliments to you on your leadership. Four Big Sky regular season titles, cross-country basketball, men's basketball, men's tennis, and softball. Three more Big Sky tournament titles. It's been a great year across the board. I think that's when you know when you're starting to, to really get there with the culture because you, you win the regular season, then you follow that up with the tournament wins, and and that's yeah. when we really start turning the corner. So as we start these Weber State Wildcat podcasts with Jerry Bovey, we're going to bring in a guest, and today we bring in one of those coaches of one of those championship teams this year. The coach. The coach, and I think a few people know who this guy is, Randy Ray, the head coach. Welcome. Yeah, they probably know me for the wrong reasons. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. yeah. No, thanks for having me. This is awesome. This, this is, is exciting. We're uh, just a couple guys sitting around talking here about Randy Ray, who, by the way, I was looking up some things. Did you know you have a Wikipedia page? I so did you know not, what Wikipedia. That's, I'm not sure what that is. That's is that like an encyclopedia. <laughs> kind it's, of. It's, that's when you know you've arrived. Yeah. It's the source of all knowledge. It may not be correct, really but it's some it's, of our student athletes think it's actually true and try to use it as sourcing in some of their papers. We have to help them with that. But yeah, you have a Wikipedia you have a Wikipedia page okay. for Randy Ray. Said some so of the stuff on there is true. Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. That's <laughs> what we're going to talk about. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's all true. true. Yeah. Well, we don't need to spend too much time talking about who this guy is because I think most people know, but the uh, head coach of the Wildcats for the past 10 years, believe it or not, and this past year hit a couple milestones, becoming Weber State's all-time leader in coaching victories and the Big Sky's all-time leader in coaching victories in conference games. It's been 10 years since you've been here at Weber State. Does that still seem real? It's amazing. No, it really isn't. In fact, Laura, my wife, and I were talking about it the other night, uh, how fast it's gone. I mean, we, we remember the first day we showed up. We remember... Uh, the little things along the way that first year, and to think back to know that it's been 10 years, it's it's a little bit mind-boggling. Um, but I think when you're when you're in a really good place and you're happy, your family's happy, and you're working with good people, I think that's what makes the time go by a lot quicker. Obviously, and uh, it's been a fun 10 years, and look forward to hopefully 10 more. Yeah, and we're going to talk about your career and, and a little bit, of course, focusing mainly on Weber State, but. You know, in the last 10 years, you've had a few opportunities to maybe move on and look at other options, including some the, even this year. And what is it that's drawn you to stay here at Weber State? Well, number one, I know what I have here, and I'm blessed. You know, I've always felt like I'm really blessed to be the basketball coach at Weber State. I mean, if you look at the past coaches that have been here, it's a little bit intimidating. And uh, so I know the kind of position I have. And But uh, to me, it's always been the people. It's about the people that I get to work with, Jerry Bovey, uh, President White, uh, in the past, Ann Milner, Norm Tarbox. But it's the people is what make the place. And when you get the kind of support that we do here to try to maintain what we hope is a quality program, and you have it from all areas. We have it from our administration. We have it from our students. We have it from our professors. We have it from the community. The support, the support is tremendous. It's hard to leave. It really is, and uh, 
I've never been one about money. Uh, I want to be where I want to live, and I want to be with people that uh, I want to be around, and I want my family happy. And they're extremely happy here, and we love being here. And uh, like I said, we're, we feel like we're uh, we're blessed to be here. So uh, um, we just want to try to keep it going. Paul, this is a question I get a lot too. Um, I'm starting my eighth year in August, right? You, you're the guy. It'll be September. With, yeah, so, this will be eight years in yeah, September. Yeah, so eight years in September. So. It's like dog years, so one year now. Yeah, it probably feels that way sometimes. Yeah, I, don't, I don't get how <laughs> it's gotten here. But so we've spent a lot of time together, and I get this question a lot too from kind of the people in the community saying, how how is, you know, how, how have we been able to keep Coach here? And, I, and I'm like, well, part of, a lot of it's on him, just his choice, because he has other options to go. There's no question. But uh, I think one of the keys, as he's mentioned, is an environment where he can do the things that he wants to do with our program his way. You know, I, I tell people all the time, he's built up some capital to be able to do it the way he wants to. And that's not what you get everywhere. And Randy and I have talked. He, he's been around other coaches in the nation when they get to their summer events where they kind of compare notes. And you've been around, you know, you mentioned Bob Huggins. You'd take going to oh, dinner yeah. with him oh, once. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. That's a, and he's you saying, got two hours, I'll tell you a story. <laughs> <laughs> Spend a little time with Bobby Huggins and hearing, you know, about his career path and the people he's worked with. Now, he's a difficult guy a little bit. but Can be, yeah. yeah. I think it can be. But he shared with you uh, – some insights that yeah if you've got a place where you you can kind of do it your way and you have some freedom and liberties and not a lot of micromanaging those are good things to take into consideration when you have other opportunities and that that's a huge part of it and like you said jerry i've 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 talked to my colleagues in the profession and it's a, it's it, it mind boggles me but it's amazing how many of them don't have a relationship with the people they're working with the uh the athletic director Vice presidents, presidents, anybody uh, in the administration, and it just it, it blows my mind a little bit how they cannot and and be successful working together. And I hear a lot of frustration from those people about you know they don't have the freedom to do what they want to do because they don't have that trusting relationship. And that's the thing that uh, that it's one of the main things that has kept me here is is Jerry and the relationship we have and the trust that we have amongst each other. And we can talk freely about anything. And if there's a, if there's a situation come up, we just talk about it and we, we work it out together. But uh, I don't know how you can be successful without having that relationship. And then again, you know, the culture that Jerry's established since he's become the athletic director uh, is tremendous. And it's the same, uh, what do you say, foundation of culture that we want in our basketball program. So it all goes hand in hand. We want to do it with great people. We want to have high character. We want to have hard workers. We want to have great teammates that care about each other. And uh, get out of your own way, and let's help each other out around here. That's the, that's the culture he's established, and that's something that uh, you know we've tried to uh, build on that culture in our basketball program. Well, you certainly have five Big Sky titles in ten seasons, uh, several tournament titles, been to the NCAA tournament three times, uh, all kinds of things. 208 and 113, your career record here at Weber State. Really remarkable. Um, it just means you've been here a long time, exactly. Let's start where, where it all began back in uh, Iowa. You're an Iowa farm boy. Yes, I am. Yes. Iowa what was it like growing up it's in Iowa? Place to be from. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, it was. I had a great upbringing. Um, you know, my parents were farmers, obviously. We grew up in a farm outside of a small little town of about a thousand people, and uh, it was just, it was very uh, simple, innocent. Um, and 
it was a simple life, you know, and all we did was work on the farm all day and uh, hopefully had some free time to go play some basketball, some baseball, football. I had, uh, I had five, four brothers and one sister. And uh, so we grew up on the farm and whenever we got a break from not doing farm work, we'd go play sports, we'd play football, whatever it is, and we'd compete like crazy against each other. And, uh, but it was good, it was good. We learned, uh, you know, my father instilled a lot of uh, hard work in us, work ethic, that type of thing. And uh, you're gonna make something of yourself, you just gotta work and treat people the right way. So coach, we have a lot in common, but there's a, well, at least one thing I can think of we don't have in common. So baseball was a sport you loved growing yeah, up. It's yeah. a sport you played and, and you developed a love for. And you know, you're a Cardinals fan, I'm a Cubs fan. Here we go. <laughs> we struggle with that a little bit. Although this year's a good year to be a Cubs fan, not yes, a Cardinals fan. But over the years, it's been. <laughs> so we talked about that recently. You yeah. chose the Card. You had a chance to kind of choose some different teams where yeah. you were situated, and you went with the Cardinals because because I could hear their their broadcasts way back up in a little small farm town in Iowa, and uh, I had a choice of the Twins or the Cardinals, but I couldn't pick up the Twins on radio, even though we're only three hours away. So every night I'd pick up the Cardinals late at night and uh, listen to uh, you know uh, the, the broadcasters. Jack Buck, was Jack Buck, Jack Buck, Jack Buck. Jack Buck. Oh, KMOX, yeah, there, yeah, yeah, legendary yeah. guy, incredible guy. Uh, but Lou Brock, Bob Gibson, uh, Mike Shannon. I mean, on and on and on. Kirk Flood. Yeah. Those were my heroes. We were in St. Louis for the tournament this year. You had a few things to do when we were in St. Louis, but we had spent some time, walked around Bush Stadium and saw some of those things. It was amazing to see. All those statues yeah. when we walked by there. Yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, the history there. So you picked a winner, too. I mean, let's yeah. not. Yeah, I did. Let's yeah. be honest. They, yeah. Over the years, <laughs> they've won a few But it have been with them since I was probably eight years old. Yeah. So I've hung with them a little bit. And, and baseball was kind of your true love. You played in high school and college baseball, right? I did, yeah. I was a much better uh, basketball or baseball player than basketball. And obviously, when you're, when you're a midget, you don't get many opportunities <laughs> to play college basketball. But uh, but no, we had a great great high school baseball program. In fact, the coach that coached me in high school baseball, when he passed away, he had the most wins of any high school baseball coach ever. I mean, he was legendary, and uh, he taught. He coached my dad. He coached my uncles. He coached my brothers. He coached everybody. But uh, but I love baseball. I had a chance to go play uh, college baseball and on scholarship. And then I went and begged the basketball coach. They were so bad. Our college basketball team was so bad that they let me walk on. And uh, so I got to be a walk on and got to play both sports in college. It was, it was great. We had a great time. Um, but uh, baseball was, was yeah. much better to me. Buena Vista University in Storm Lake, Iowa. Every year around the NCAA tournament, we often get, I often get calls from somebody in Iowa that wants to talk to you on the radio, Bancroft or Algona, and you're, you're big in that area, it seems like. <laughs> They love to talk to you. There's not a lot going on out there. Obviously, there's their source of entertainment is at a very low level. So every once in a while, but I, I do. I still got friends back there. I got high school buddies. Uh, the guy that calls from Algona is a guy that I used to play high school baseball against. And so yeah, you, you know it's fun. I went back for uh, uh, my mom and dad's uh, big anniversary party last summer, and it's the first time I've been back there for a long time. Ran into a whole bunch of people and uh, and absolutely, I got to do more of it, you know. Yeah, um, but I've uh, met some of these folks over the years, and when we go on the road, and they're proud of you. Well, yeah. and and your your family still lives there and, and comes to North Dakota usually when we play there. They'll come up and see you. They do. Yeah, yeah. I've got brothers that'll come over and, and uh, I've got uh, 
I got two brothers that live in New Ulm, Minnesota. My oldest uh, older brother owns a company uh, out there, construction company. And then I've got two other brothers that live down in Iowa, uh, in Bancroft, where we grew up. And I've got a sister that lives in that same area. So yeah, they try to come over, and um, it's always fun to see them. And uh, they'll make the trip whenever they can. So you're a walk-on in basketball. Obviously love the sport, but how did you become a coach? Did you want to get into coaching? You know, I was... When I was a junior in high school, uh, my high school basketball coach, the varsity coach, he came to me one day and he asked if he wanted, if I wanted to help him coach the junior high team. And he says, we're going we're gonna to do it at 6.30 in the morning before school. And uh, he wanted to know if I wanted to help him. So I did. And immediately I knew what I wanted to do uh, after just being with them and helping out and trying to coach a little bit. Uh, it hit me. Um, I figured I wasn't smart enough to do a lot of other things. And so I could maybe handle that, but, but I loved it. And, and then going through uh, high school baseball, college baseball, I, I really liked basketball a lot more. I enjoyed it more. And so I knew eventually, I, I thought I just uh, was going to be a high school basketball coach and a fifth grade teacher for a long time, which I started out doing. Um, and that was kind of my plan. And then things changed a little bit with the college stuff. So correct me if I'm wrong on some of these, but you started out your coaching career at Stratton Senior High School. Is that yeah. right? 1985? Stratton, Colorado. Spent a few years there in Colorado. Yeah, I got the job. <clears throat> I was, uh, when I finished playing college baseball, I had, uh, I was selected to go to two preferred uh, baseball camps, one for the Yankees, one for the Reds. And, uh, you know, I still think I was going to be a, you know, a pro baseball player until I figured out I couldn't hit a slider in an hour. But, um, so I, they told me to wait. Uh, there was a chance I could maybe get signed with one of those teams and get put into a, a rookie league, like Billings, you know, the Reds. I thought I might be put in Billings. They said they were waiting for somebody to get hurt and I have a roster spot open up. Well, nothing came, and now it's getting to be the end of June, and I have, I have no, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to play, sign a contract. So I called, uh, I just started calling around any place in the country, and Stratton had put, pulled up, found out they had a fifth grade teacher open, position open and some coaching. So I called him on the phone. We did an interview on the phone. He hired me and a month later I drove out there. Hmm. And that's kind of how we got started. And Colorado kind of became a home for you for several years. We were at Colorado College as an assistant coach at University of Colorado, also Denver, and then of course Colorado State for a long time. So that was kind of an area that, that you established yourself and, and spent some time there. Yeah, I was a high school coach. I think it was five years. And then uh, I got into college. I started to do basketball, college basketball camps. I wanted to become a better high school coach and uh, there was two summers there I'd, I'd worked 10, 10 camps in a row 12 camps in a row and I met some people and uh, I met a guy that got the head coaching job at Colorado College Al Walker and he called me it was uh, middle of June he says hey I just got the job uh, at Colorado College I need an assistant I was wondering if you'd be interested and he says the pay is $1,200 and uh, I was single I'm ready to go so I said, I can live on $1,200 a month. And he says, no, that's $1,200 for the year. And I was like, whoa. So, but, but I jumped into it, and uh, that's how I got started, and, you know, supplements and income along the way. And, so and talk about that a little bit, because there, there might be some, I mean, you run into high school coaches all the time that have this dream of being a college coach, and it's a tough, it's a tough grind. It's a tough mm -hmm. road to get into. Um, I always tell people it's your network. It's developing the network. And so for you, it was getting into those camps, yeah. developing relationships with a lot of different coaches, and when opportunities came. Because when you hire coaches, 
I mean, maybe you can talk about that process for you. You did, you don't just go out and blindly take yeah. somebody that somebody you've developed a, a list of people that you've run into along the years that that you're watching too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, networking is is huge, obviously, and uh, and that's how I got started was was meeting people along the way in those basketball camps and coaches, college coaches from all over the country. I, I worked Villanova, Syracuse, Kansas, Kansas State, Colorado, Colorado State. And that's how I was able to get the Colorado College coaching job, even though it wasn't a big position. Then the next year I went to the University of Colorado, and, and the reason I was able to land that graduate assistant position was because I got to know the assistant by working their camps. And so it was an acquaintance thing, and they knew of me. And to me, that's, that's what you've got to do, is you've got to get out and meet people. There's no better way than basketball camps if you're a young high school coach that wants to try to go that direction. Um, and then, uh, and so, and that's the same same way, you know, right now when we do have openings and hire people, I, I always keep a list of people I've met along the way that I've been impressed with, that I think could fit our culture and how we do things. And then you kind of just keep track of them, you know, and you see them along the way. And, uh, and so when an opening does occur, um, you know, my biggest thing is we're going to hire, I want to hire somebody that I can trust. Loyalty is a big Loyalty deal. is what it's all about. And, uh, and so that's, that's kind of what we do. And so, so yeah. I think it would be interesting for people to hear, how did you first meet Stu Morrow and get involved with, with yeah. the coach? Yeah, he, I, I was working the Colorado State basketball camp. Stu, uh, Coach Morrow got the job. But that summer, Coach Grant, uh, Boyd Tiny Grant, was still in charge of the camps. Uh, Tiny wanted the camps that summer. So I was up there when Stu got the job and he was starting to work. Uh, but I was working for the, the camps there for Tiny Grant. And he had started at Rick's back in yeah, the day, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was at Rick's. Yep. He was at CSI. Yep. Um, he's an Idaho guy. Mm -hmm. um, he's well-known in this area. Oh, yeah. And he's a legendary coach. Um, but Stu gets the job, and right away, Coach Grant comes to me and says, hey, we need to get you on his staff. I says, hey, that'd be great. You know, I was at uh, uh, Denver University at the time as a volunteer, not making any money at all. And uh, he said, I said, but Coach, I don't know him. He says, well, I do. And he says, I'll start the process. So Coach Grant, uh, out of the kindness of his heart, went and met with Stu and, and uh, told him about me and said, hey, he's working my camps. You ought to get to know him. This is a guy that might be for one of the lower-level positions. So he did. How long do you want me to go on this well, story? I, I want you to tell the we story We got time limit break on it, this break it down. You got the tape? Okay. Break down we'll tape. get to that point. <laughs> well, long story short is um, Coach finally came up. Uh, he wanted me to come up and meet him. And uh, he, he went down and watched me work at the camp and do some drills. And he says, hey, come on and meet with me. So I went to his office. And... Uh, I went out to dinner with his assistant, got to know him. So the next step was I met him in his office, and he gave me these, I think it was six old videotapes of his day of his games in Montana. Coach Morrow came from Montana. He says, I want you to break these down for me, and I'm going to meet you at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. So that, that was like 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So I get home, and uh, I'm working like a dog. And I stayed up all night. I didn't go to bed, and I watched these tapes, and I wrote down everything, and I diagrammed, and then I went to Kinko's, and I had to get them right, and I had to get them in binders, and I worked as possible, hard as I possibly could. So the next morning, I get there, I'm, I'm there at 7.30, and I got this big folder. I mean, it's huge. Everything you can possibly imagine was on there. 
And finally, coach comes walking in. He says, "Ah, come on back. We'll meet." So, uh, so I take the, the stuff. And he says, "Is that is that your breakdown?" I says, "Yeah." So I handed him the breakdown, and he kind of looked at it real quick, and then he threw it in the garbage. And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa coach! I I didn't go to bed last night. Can I keep that? This might come in handy for me down the road." He goes, "Yeah, yeah, you can take it. Whatever." And he kind of looks at me, and he says, uh, "I think he looked through and saw that I kind of knew what I was doing." And he had one question for him, and he says, do you have a Napoleon's complex? And at that time, I didn't know what he meant. I've heard of Napoleon. I've never heard of him. <laughs> I says, Coach, I don't know what that is, but I feel fine. <laughs> and he says, no, 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 Napoleon's complex and little guys that always got to feel like they got to, you know, overpower and they come on too strong and they got all the answers. And I said, you know what, I don't think I do. Uh, I don't believe I do. And he says, all right, you're hired. <laughs> that was that it. That was it. And that led to 13 years together with Coach Morrill at Colorado State and at Utah State. Uh, you, and, you know, you followed him uh, to, to Logan. And obviously you knew about Weber State. Uh, and then at one point you decided uh, to go to Utah as well for two years, to leave Stu yeah. and go down to with Ray Jacoletti at Utah where you coached Andrew Bogut and obviously had, had some success. But why the decision right there to, to leave Stu? That was, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do professionally. Um, it, the reason I did it was because I was with Stu for 13 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Jack Letty was a really, really one of my closest friends, and he asked me to come down there. Um, and I just thought, you know, at this point in my career, maybe it's good to see something else um, and work with a different guy and get a different way to do things because Ray had been really successful. He's a really good basketball coach. And uh, together, Laura and I decided we'd, we'd, we'd make the jump. And uh, it, it was difficult when I went in and, and had to tell uh, Coach Moore that I was going. It was it was emotional. It was hard for both of us. Um, and it never felt right, to be honest with you. But when I did get down there with Ray uh, Giacoletti, it was really good for me. Now I had to kind of learn a new system. Uh, be with a guy that did things differently, and I think it really helped me professionally to see that. And uh, and we spent two great years together. Our first year was really good. Uh, we had that team back uh, that Coach, Coach Majerus had left with Bogut and Mark Jackson. Went to the Sweet 16. Right. And then we kind of had to start over with new recruits. But uh, but that was down to two years. Yeah, so then the, the job at Weber State opens up. And... I mean, can you tell us what, what that was like when you remember thinking about it? What were you, what was your thought process? You know, it was funny because at the time there was four Big Sky jobs open. And, uh, you know, I, I knew I was ready to become a head coach. I felt like I would prepared myself and I was with good people. And, you know, you get to that point where you just know it's time. You know, it's like Jerry when you, you know you're ready to be the athletic director. But I applied for I each job. I just yesterday that maybe I could do this, but it's still... Yeah, maybe still, the jury's still out. Yeah, I'm probably getting a little closer <laughs> now, too. But, so I applied. It was Idaho State, Northern Colorado, and Montana State, and Weber State. And I thought on all four, I the least chance I would have would probably be Weber State. I knew it was a really good job. A lot of people were going to be interested. So I applied for the other three, and I did not apply initially to Weber State. Hmm. Uh, and I didn't. I couldn't get interviews at, uh, at any of the other places. I talked Ooh. to Northern Colorado on the... This is your big this sky leader in career yeah. wins now, but yeah. Well, I didn't mean that way, but Northern <laughs> but Colorado, I, did. I, did. <laughs> I did talk to Northern Colorado. But anyway, so we're sitting around one night, and my wife, Laura, is telling me, you need to apply to Weber State. This is, this is ridiculous. At least apply. And I said, I can't, I'm not going to get that job. 
It was an hour before the deadline. The deadline was midnight, and it was 11 o'clock, and she says, well, if you don't do it, I'm going to do it for you. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know how to apply online and all that kind of stuff. So I did. I put it in, and uh, and the next morning I called uh, Jerry Graybill was the AD mm-hmm. at the time, and I called Jerry and said, hey, you don't know who I am, but just so you know, I applied, and uh, thanks, you know, hung yeah. up and figured I wouldn't hear the word. Anyway, so... <laughs> I don't know when it was, a week or so, maybe two weeks later. Uh, I get a call from Jerry saying they got 10 guys coming in and they're going to interview for the job with the committee. And you're on that list. I said, you know, I, I really didn't expect to be on that list, but you're, you're, I was the 10th guy that was going to come interview. And I figured, well, that's pretty yeah. good indication where I sit. And that's okay. You right. know, I was going to go up and I was really excited and thought I was, you know, got myself prepared as I could. And, uh, uh when I walked in, it was a bad sign because I could see the fatigue in their eyes. But uh, but anyway, I thought the interview went well, and then one thing led to another, and uh, we'll, we'll cut it short. We don't have to go yeah. down the whole line. But uh, it took about a week after that to finally uh, get the uh, get the yes. And, and tell us your feelings of, of when you when you heard that you're going to be a, a Division One head coach. Uh, I was at first. I was I was ecstatic. I really was because I was uh, I think it was 16 years as a Division One assistant. I wanted to be a head coach, but it didn't encompass me, or all, all just, uh, I guess, what's the word I'm looking overwhelming. Yeah, okay. Uh, I was just so focused on doing the job where I was at, but I knew I wanted to, and then when it happened, I was ecstatic, and that lasted about five minutes. I was actually, I know this has lasted a long time, but I was on a plane with Coach Morrill back from a recruiting trip when I when Coach Graybill uh, told me I had the job. Hmm. So I had the whole flight with Coach talk to him about it and then I got you know scared <laughs> uh, but it was great to have coach there we were on a two-hour flight and he helped me and kind of hey this is what you need to kind of organize and get yourself going yeah. but uh, and then I knew right away we you know we had a lot of work to do sure so. you know uh, this is the Weber State Wildcats podcast with Jerry Bovey on Paul Grill we're joined by coach Randy Ray uh, talking about his time here at Weber State as we look back on that I'm sure every year is special to you, but for in that first season it was unbelievable. To come in with the, the changes that you made and to still win the Big Sky title is just remarkable. And, and you've had success in probably better teams since then, but still what you did that first year was remarkable, and I think something that fans will always treasure. Take us through that year. You come in, you make some changes, and yet it turns out so well. Yeah, it was uh, – I mean, that team I'll never forget. Yeah. It's, it's one of the – the most fun years I've had in coaching, um, but when we got here, we we had to make some changes on the roster. And I remember it was April first, and we had made some changes, and we only had three kids left over in the program. So I had three kids on scholarship as of April first, and uh, so I drive home. We're still living in Draper. I saw Laura, and I, she says, "How to go today?" And I says, oh, "We're fine, but we only have three kids on scholarship." <laughs> she says, "Well, don't you need five guys to play?" And I says. Ideally, yeah. yeah. I says I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna go recruiting. I'll see you in about a month. <laughs> so we went out. And we just we found some kids where whatever was left over, and we based everything on character, toughness, kids that we thought were unselfish, and just tried to put it together as quick as we could. But the three kids that I had left over were really good: uh, David Patton, Dan Henry, and J.P. Silvera. Mm-hmm. And to their credit, they bought into our our, our program right away and invested everything they had and then we just had the, enough pieces and 
And that year, and we couldn't even get them together in the summer. We didn't get together as a team until the end of August. And so, uh, but, I, but everything that happened is a credit to that team and those kids. Uh, we asked them to do some tough things. We asked them to come together quickly. We had to teach a new system. And to their credit, they, they trusted us and bought in. And, you know, as we went through the year, we had some ups and downs. Um, and I do remember one of the tournaments, we'd go to Portland State, and uh, I think we're up one, and they got their best free throw shooter on the line with a few seconds to go. To, to make two to beat us, and he misses both. We win that game, we win the league, and uh, it was it was an incredible feeling uh, to see what that team had done. We've, we've had much more talented teams since then, but the way that team came together will always be really, really special. Pretty neat. So you, you alluded to something I just wanted to pick at for a minute um, about the fear. You were on the flight and, and you got scared, and, and I think most people don't realize that we go through that a little bit. I mean, you get to the position where you're, you are. Being a head coach is a lot different than being an assistant. As an assistant, you work, 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 but ultimately the big decisions are on one, yeah. one guy. Yeah. And, and now you're in that role, and there is a little bit of fear, and it, and it never ends. At, t at times throughout your career, you still go through those moments, but it can be a little lonely, can't it? Maybe talk a little bit about what it's like to transition from being an assistant to all of a sudden the buck stops with you on everything. Well, you hit it on the nose. It's, it can be lonely. And uh, especially my first couple of years, uh, I was so used to being an assistant coach, and now I had to make the decisions and the final decisions, which that takes time to get comfortable with that. But the thing that was hardest for me is I wanted to do everything in our program. Uh, I didn't want my assistants to do it because I was used to doing it. So I was doing, you know, I was going to do the recruiting, I was going to do the scheduling, I was going to do the academics, I was going to do everything. And, and, and I tried to do that for too long. And I realized I got to give more to my assistants and I got to give them the responsibility and trust them. Um, and the minute I started to do that, the better I became. And all of a sudden, I trusted them. They were really good. Uh, and it eased the, the, the load off my plate. But, but it is a lonely feeling when you've got to make some tough decisions and decisions that are really going to affect your program one way or the other. Um, and it's not like you're the manager at Home Depot, which is probably a great job, no offense to anybody at Home Depot, but you're in a public position. So mm -hmm. so not only are we dealing with our internal bubble that we live in here, but the public scrutinizes everything we do. Absolutely. And, and the first tough decision I had to make, other than changing my roster and, and not bringing back some kids, that was hard. But I had to remove a kid that was on our team that was supposed to be, everybody said was the best player in the league. Um, uh, and, and I won't go into names and everything, but I had to make that decision. And when I made that decision not to bring him back because I knew it wasn't going to work. You found out you had a fan base. Yeah, <laughs> I had a fan base, and it wasn't a very popular one at that time. I, I got some emails before I even coached the game that, uh, that got a little tough. But you know what? Yeah, I, you, you can't listen to that. you gotta, you got you to gotta believe in what you're doing. You got trust in what you're doing, and then you got to believe in the people that are around you that are supporting you, and so you know things work out. You know, it's a grind, and I, I hope I don't know maybe if people understand. I think how much, or maybe any of us understand how much you you, you do and how much you work. Tell us what you're like during a season, and the grind and the hours that you spend, the toll that it takes on you. It's hard. It really is hard. But when you're in the middle of it, you don't think about yeah. it. Yeah. You don't think about all the hours you're putting in and all this kind of stuff. What I do think about now, 
that I didn't think about back early in my career was my family more. And I, I, I really believe that, and my wife Laura is an absolute saint and I wouldn't be here without her and she is tremendous support to me. She's the one that has given me the balance in my life, which has made me a better coach. And so that was the hard part, but um, but no, it's 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 going to be a grind. It's five and a half months, and uh, I think uh, one of my guys' assistants figured out. I think in five and a half months, we took we take three days off for Christmas, and that's we're going to do that no matter what. And then outside of that, I think we had five days off that we just totally took off in five and a half months. Yeah. But again, it, when you love something. It's not work, right? you know, and I love what I'm doing. My staff loves what they're doing, and so you just dive into it. And once you get in that cycle, one day to the other, um, you know, it's not easy all the time. You're going to have some tough losses, and it's really hard. Yeah. But, uh, but when you get in that cycle, you just, you just get on autopilot. Sure. And you just, you do, just it. do it, and you have a routine, and, and yeah, you, just you do have it. a routine, yeah. and you know what you got to do. If you win, lose, or draw, you know what you got to do that next day to get ready for the next one. And you just you just go about and do it, and then when you have but when you have kids that you love and you care about and you can't wait to coach them, it just makes that you know time go that Absolutely. much faster, and you just want to do everything you can to try to help them. I don't think most people realize too, Paul, um, what a lifestyle job this is for Coach Ray or for any of us really. I mean, he and I have conversations at 11 o'clock on Sundays and it's, Monday it's, nights. It's, it's a 24-7 yeah, thing. There's it things. Is. It's a living, breathing all kinds of things. thing. And since it's so He's public. my psychiatrist. Yes. <laughs> well, and it goes both ways. There's times when I've called saying, okay, I'm done. I, I don't think I can get through this. And it's like, now, hold on. I mean, we have to have that. But it, it is, I mean, I, this year, we get back from the NCAA tournament after being together for a, a week. After a week in Reno and... We're not home 20 minutes before a call comes and we've got another issue. It's the next thing. There's yeah. never yeah. a time to just say, okay, it's cruise control for a few minutes. It, it really doesn't occur. But I think the good ones really thrive in that environment that we can just kind of compartmentalize and go to the next thing. But he mentioned something that I think is really important is not to lose the perspective of, of the family. And I mean, your family has, has bought into this career and they're part of this. And when... I recall uh, a couple of years ago being up 20 at halftime and, and then dropping a tough game. It affected your family. It affected my family. I get home to crying kids, and people don't realize that. They're like, yeah. it's just your job. No, it's our life. And I got a 12-year-old that's bawling his eyes out. That's, he's removed from this farther than what your kids are. But it, it, it's an important thing in their lives, and we live it, and, and they live the wins and the losses too. No question. The emotional roller coaster. And the thing that, that I've had to really work on is when I'm home, to be home and to be present mentally with my kids and with Laura. And I'll be honest with you, when I first started here, those first couple of years, I did not do the a very balance. good job it's hard of that. To find the yeah, I was not very good at that. And then the guilt you feel uh, of not being present for your kids or missing events, basketball yeah. games. But haven't you found that you're a better coach? because you've figured out a way? No question. I am so much better now than I was back eight years ago. Um, when Laura, And Laura and I, and Laura's, like I said, I keep going back to that. Yeah, she's wives. the one that is really, like Julie has yep. for you, they keep us balanced yep. and they keep us understanding what the priorities are and what, what's really important. Yep. And once Which you do you have better. that balance, yeah, once you do have that balance, you become better. And uh, 
you I read this week where Dabo Sweeney at, at uh, Clemson is coaching his son's Little League football team, mm-hmm. which most people say, how do you, but you know, I think the good ones figure out, okay, you know what, I'll be better on Saturday if I can help my son or my kids, you know, we were just talking about Luke and what he's doing today. And yeah. Those are those are key things, and you're better if you find that balance. No question. It takes a while to figure that out. Yeah, it, it takes a while, and, and some people don't figure it out, and that's why marriages end, families don't stay yep. together. And uh, when you're constantly reminded, and, and, and it's got to come from within, but when you understand what really is in the long run, what's the most important thing, it's always the family and your kids. And my, my son's playing in the golf state tournament today, and and I'm a nervous wreck for him. Yep. It's driving me crazy. Oh, and, that's uh, good. That's good stuff. And it's what, it, but that's what it's all about. Let me ask you this, Coach: Are do you take losses harder than you enjoy the wins? And, and I guess I bring that up. Well, the thing I remember is we we went to Florida this year, won the Gulf Coast Showcase, and you're walking off the court after the title, just like every every other game, and you're just focused. And I had to come over and stop you and say, "Hey, we're gonna have a celebration. Go celebrate." And you turned for a minute, and it was it was out of your character to celebrate. But so are losses harder on you than maybe wins are enjoyed? Uh, there's no question. The losses hurt a lot more than the wins are enjoyable, and that's the that's the crying shame about this. Yeah, is there's you there's a little bit of joy the minute the game's over when you've won, and then the sick part of me, and I think a lot of coaches, is. As I'm walking off the court, my first thought is, what am I going to tell the kids after this win? And then who do we got next? What's and what next? do we got to do exactly. to ready? And the losses stay with you forever or for a long time. And so there's no question the losses are much more painful than the wins are enjoyable. And I wish we could flip-flop that because you need to. And like you said after that tournament, I remember that. <laughs> we won the game. I shook the hands with the coach, and I was leaving and thinking, okay, what do we got to come up next? <laughs> You're just so focused and on the next thing because that's what you do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, because the kids yeah. did a great job. I think that's important. And I've seen you over the years learn to, to enjoy that and be a little more present. And you've helped me with that. And you've reminded me of that. And my wife reminds me of that. And i got to keep being reminded of that. But it happens to all of us. I recall early on in, in my role here as athletics director being at a game here and, and just being a wreck. And she's like, what's going on? I said, I just want to win and get this over with and get to the next thing. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know. That's what's great about your jobs as coaches or as athlete, administrators. Live in the moment and enjoy it. Win, lose, or draw. And, yeah. and figure out that that's part of life. It's, it really mirrors... Uh, what we do in real life, and that's what's great about sports. And you know what? Your your kids, your players, your student-athletes will perform better when you allow them yep. to have some enjoyment and loosen the reins and just say, hey, guys, you did a great job. Let's take a step back and understand you know, all of our hard work paid off here and give them that time to enjoy rather than just going there and, and beating on them again. Hey, we got to get ready for the next one. And so, and we've, we've really worked hard at the mental side of things over the last few years when you get to those big games, how to approach it and making sure that the kids are out there enjoying it and enjoying no it. No question. Because college basketball is meant to be Absolutely. for these Absolutely. kids and they need to enjoy it. So I told you, we, t- we told you when we started this it would go fast. We've already been yeah. going 45 minutes. but So we got just a few left. But yeah. we'll, so we'll do this another day, too, because there's a lot. We'll do part two another time. But yes. Part two. <laughs> um, t- tell us a little bit about your summer. You, you spent a little time in Chicago with Joel. Um, just flesh that out a little bit for those that don't get that experience or see what that next step is like for a guy like Joel Ballenboy. Yeah, it's neat. I was uh, Last week I was at the Combine in Chicago. Joel was obviously got selected there, which was a big moment for him. 
And uh, so on Thursday, uh, when I got there, uh, his agent is Mark Bartlestein. He's one of the more, most highly uh, reputable uh, agents in the game. So I went to his office in the morning to, to see his deal and meet all the people, and that was cool. Uh, and then uh, they went to the combine. And it's, it's really fun. The first time I did it was with Damian. And it was intended. I walked in, and I'm sitting down. I go sit down because I didn't, you know, I'm a little out of place here. I'm, I'm a nobody, and I just want to watch my guy. And over here on my right was Jerry West, and on my left was Larry Bird. And Damian knew I was a Larry Bird big fan. Damian's down the baseline, and he looks over, and he points at Larry Bird, and he goes, and he gives me one of those. And I was like, yeah. He's, he says, go talk to him. No, I'm not going to talk to Larry Bird. I, I, I didn't need to wet myself. I don't know if I can say that. You, you just, hey, it's, it's too late. It's, it's, all, it's all good. Uh, but, no, it's a neat experience, and to see all the basketball people, and there's a lot of, uh, obviously, all the NBA people, but a lot of college coaches there, and I, I saw a lot of friends out there that were watching their guys play. But it was a, for Joel, it was a, it was a stressful situation. He's in a position where he's trying to, prove himself. Yeah, move up, move up Damien was already established. We already knew kind of where he was going to go. And I tell you what, I was never so proud of him, uh, how he handled himself, the way he played, uh, how he was with his teammates. Um, I was really, really proud of Joel, and uh, he did a great job. I didn't get to see him on Friday. I had to come back, but I watched the game on Friday. He was really good on Friday. He played his tail off, and and then listening to the GMs that were coming up to me and saying, hey, your guy was terrific in the interviews. What a great kid. He's got a good future. Um, high character person. You get a lot of great feedback. You kind of feel like a proud papa, to be honest with you. This time around was a little different for you because the first time was as all new. Now it's like you're a, it's like you're a little bit of a pro here. <laughs> we hope this keeps going. Right? NBA. Yeah, I want to do it more, yeah, believe yeah. me. Uh, yeah, at effect. least I knew where the gym was yeah. at. Yeah. And I actually got to the pizza place, Gardenia, Gardenia? Giordano's. Giordano's, which you hooked me up with. And I got there first, Good and pizza, it was it? out of this world. Yeah. You, you, you hit that one on the nose. So, no, it was. It's kind of nice to be able to go back. And gosh, if we could do it every so often, it's a, it's a wonderful experience. We hope we can. We hope we can. You got a couple NBA players here, which has been fantastic. We have barely scratched the surface, Coach. We we only talked about one year here at Weber State, really. So how about we come back another time and we'll spend some more time with Coach Ray and talk about his, his time at Weber State uh, and, and the things that Weber State can become. Uh, let me ask, let me, let's close with one more question and just kind of tell us what you think this program can become. Already you've reached a whole lot, but what can Weber State as a basketball program, you know, what, what can we do to get to that next level? We want to do more. Every year we're striving to do more. You know, we've had some success. Um, we don't ever rely or relax on that past success we are hungry to take the next step what I want to do is I want to win a game in the NCAA tournament and see how far we can go and I want to get to that point where we can do that and I think we've made some strides um, you know I thought we performed well a couple years ago against Arizona you know we get to Xavier this year it's a seven point game with seven minutes to go we miss a couple shots you, you, you want to get over the hump right. you know and uh, we're getting to the point now I think we're competitive in those games um, you know, it's going to help if we can get a better seed in those games. Um, but that's our next step. We want to go win a game, maybe two, and let's see what we can do. And that's what we're striving for. Um, you know, we always want to, our goal every year since I've been here is we want to play at the top of the big sky every year. And uh, we want to be in the hunt for a conference championship every year. Uh, and then once we get beyond that, 
I think the next step is let's go try to win a game. Let's go win a game. Let's let's uh, and then and then again step farther than that. Maybe sure. win two. Make some noise. And Absolutely. We always want to keep growing and, and try to keep challenging ourselves to take that next step. Well, next time we we uh, we talk with you, we'll, we'll ask you more about, of course, Damian Lillard and his career, and some of the many other players that you've had, and some of the the games that, that we've had here at Weber State, and some memories that, uh, from that time. But uh, and, and scheduling philosophy, all that stuff, we'll get into uh, in the future in another podcast. But thanks for joining us today. A lot of fun. It's great awesome. to hear about uh, about all your career. Yeah, Jerry. The, yeah, don't let. Me. I hope the ratings are okay after this. I think they will with you. They're going to go up from here from the next next guy you bring in. Fortunately, it's not televised, so that helps, right? Nobody sees it. And it may may be trending. You're going to go viral. Are we ever going to get Coach Ray on social media? No. Okay. You're like Charles Barkley. No social media. No. Yeah, I don't need the. I know I'll... uh, Put my foot in my mouth, and I don't. Need, <laughs> I do that enough. I don't need to do it on there social media. We should probably yeah. do a fa coach race, yeah, like a right. fa Bo Pelini. We could I follow that a little <laughs> bit. That's I quite heard comical. About that. <laughs> it's quite comical. Wish uh, we could put that together. One thanks day for joining us. Final question for sure: How's the golf game? Uh, we're going to find out today. Okay. Uh, the boss took me out. His now this is hard for me to admit. He hadn't even picked up a club, and I'd played a few times, and he beat me yeah. in nine holes. Okay. And. Uh, but, get some uh, revenge. It's never going to be great, but he was uh, nice. it's going to be okay. You know, Try to make me feel good. Right. So we're going to next time we'll talk. We're, we're going to go out. On, uh, you got there you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, good. Yes. Yeah. All right, Jerry, you got you got quite the coach here, don't you? Yes, we do, and we're going to keep him around and and uh, appreciate all he does. And it's just bigger than than one aspect. It's really uh, a culture in our program. It fits within the culture of our department and with this community. And I I, I know that that while we're in it, that people may not realize what they really have, the, the gem of a, of a person that we have in the chair running our program. But, but historically, as they look back, once we're all gone, I think people will look back on the times we've had under Coach Ray's leadership and realize that it was the best of times. So we're going we're gonna to run this out and enjoy every bit of it until, until it ends and we, we go other places. But uh, Coach Ray epitomizes everything that we're about in this program, and we're very lucky to have him. Absolutely. Another season will start here soon in the fall. So thanks for joining us, Coach Ray and Jerry Bovey. We'll talk again with Coach Ray another time on the Weaver State Wildcat podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media, uh, Facebook and Twitter, as well as at WeaverStateSports.com. And go Wildcats!